0: In 2024, the Triathlon Hour is brought to you by The Feed. Thefeed.com is a website that has all of the world's best training and race day nutritional products in one place. The Feed's goal is to help you experiment with and ultimately find what nutritional products work best for you to get the most out of your performance in training and racing. They have almost 200 brands in stock, so you can buy as much from one brand as you want or as little as one gel from a brand. And I really do think that's the big benefit is you can try one thing from every brand and that way you'll find exactly what it is that you love and works for you. And having it all at one place at thefeed.com makes it convenient to do so. There's no more having to go to multiple websites and pay for shipping on the mall and wait for them to come on different days or drive around to multiple shops. You can just get everything you need at thefeed.com and have it all shipped to your front door together so it arrives at the same time. Christian Blumenfeld, it's uh, a pleasure as always to have you on the podcast, mate. Uh, everyone's favorite guest, maybe outside of your coach, Olav Alexander-Boo. I wanted to start, mate, by asking you about your season in 2024. You're obviously on the public record that you're doing the Olympics and then you're doing Kona, but you're not doing the T100 series. Can you talk to me about how you came to that decision? Uh,
1: yeah, it's, first of all, it's good to be back uh, on the show. Uh uh, but yeah, as you said, like the big goal this season is to win the Olympics and corner. Like uh, that's the two races I feel I'm missing. And realistically, like uh, to sign up for the T one hundred, I would have felt like I would have minimizing my chances of performing well in corner, especially with the two races that it's quite close in advance of Kona like in Las Vegas like the week before Uh, so then I just had to be a little bit more careful with my selection of races compared to what I did last year Um, so yeah it's more time for training and less time for races so like now uh, for the as an example like for the last 10 or 9 months going into the games I'm only racing three times in advance, like Abu Dhabi, Yokohama, and Cagdara. And that's giving quite a lot of time to just settle down and focus on the training and building the capacity that is needed.
0: So I'm going to try and like unpack all of this and, and figure all this out, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So you're going to do those three warm-up WTCS races, and then your fourth race is going to be the Olympics in Paris. And then what do you do? You still have to qualify. Do you still have to go and do an Ironman to to qualify for Kona?
1: Hopefully, I can do like I did in Tokyo. So by winning, if I win Paris, I don't have to validate. Uh, if I don't win, I have to do either. I think it's one Kalmar or Frankfurt. It's like seventeenth and eighteenth of August, it's like. Uh, two and a half weeks after the Games, um, either either do one of those full-distance races or if we don't qualify a mixed relay, I can do like a 70.3 or I have to do two 70.3s, but the first one is like four or five days after the individual race. So I, ideally, I shouldn't have to validate by winning uh, Paris.
0: With the Olympics, okay, so the last probably… Twelve months, I would say you you've been like sort of shifting your your tr- training and the way you're going about things to target the Olympics. Where are you at right now compared to say where you were at uh, maybe after winning Kona in 2022, like in terms of how ready you are for the Olympics? Where are you right now?
1: I feel um in a good place uh, fitness wise and also like swim, bike, and run and the balance between. Three of them, um, like the testing we did this winter has been good. Um, and I feel I'm where I need to be, like in uh, February, in order to win. But then it's also important to be able to keep building for next uh, three, four, five months. Um, so f- I guess fitness wise, in December this winter, I was better. Compared to where I was in December, going into Tokyo Olympic Games. Uh, but then again, what's really crucial is to have this float in training for next, like half a uh, five month or so.
0: Talk to me about that testing. The famous testing, the hundred plus VO two max. Uh, a lot of people questioning whether it was real. Christian, talk to me about it.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so it was actually quite. Cool, so we've been three times inside the lab uh, this winter, the so first time before altitude in Morocco, and then we went down into a lab uh, post-altitude and also just pre year camp. And uh, uh, both the last two times has been, or basically the first one was also like strong. Uh, and then the last two times was good days, like felt strong and sharp and also was able to uh, get some quite high VO2 numbers and the second time in the lab then so that, that was before christmas going into the third time in the lab we tried to work with efficiency to get so to get more power out of uh the oxygen i'm able to uh, take in uh well, wasn't really able to see a big change there uh, in terms of efficiency, but hopefully we can improve it a little bit now. From uh, after having been in Sierra Nevada now for a month, but the good thing is that uh, like the engine is up there and the top top speed, I would say, is up there. But uh, it's it's giving me like a good foundation to to go back and work uh, on threshold training as the view of two was quite high uh, over the winter. So that's also something we try to look at when we're in the lab is to see like how is the VO2 max compared to the uh, LT2 as an example or LT1 and like now we saw that uh, I had a good threshold but the gap from the threshold and up to the VO2 max was quite high so in percentage I was laying quite low on my threshold compared to where I've been earlier. So then we have like more confident that in order to improve my overall fitness, then I have to go back and work on like more extensive threshold, th- threshold sessions.
0: And so, what kind of stuff have you been doing in training? What kind of sessions have you been doing to, to close that gap?
1: Uh, then it's threshold sessions. So, I just come back, I just came back from Sierra Nevada now, been up there for a month, and typical is like, uh, 70 80 minutes of threshold, so it's like seven times 10 minutes with a minute rest. We're just trying to be spot on threshold and uh, uh, basically, riding until you are empty.
0: When you were racing in say 2023, and you were the best PTO athlete in the world, probably still the best 70.3 athlete in the world, and Probably even not far off being in the the best Man athlete in the world, but you were trying to transition back to short course when you were actually racing, and and maybe even when you were training, and you weren't quite having the results that you were used to having over short course. What was it that you were noticing that where you were sort of lacking compared to when you were the best in the world only you know two years earlier? Um,
1: so if we look at the whole season like twenty three, I felt. The fitness I were during the summer was quite good, but then I sort of uh I wasn't able to get it out over an Olympic distance from normally uh, perf- is performing better in short course over super sprint or sprint distance. Um so like the Hamburg race where I came like fourth just off the podium, then um, if I had raced a longer distance that weekend, I think I could have performed sort of like I did in the PTO races. So I think it's, it's been a little bit with the timing and also the fact that I wasn't really dialed in for any specific distances. It was, it was a little bit like, like a soup. It's a little bit of everything. And I wasn't dialed in 100% for the PTO races, but I just sort of turned up with like a week of TT training. And then I went back again for short course. And uh, like it wasn't really dialed in for one specific distance and pace. And I think that was something I was uh, struggling with in terms of getting the ideal performance over short course. But also I came into the season with uh, the mindset that the goal is to be able to do the job in the training and put myself in a position where I need to be before the 24 season. Um, so it was like a little bit of everything.
0: Has the level of short course racing gotten like drastically better since let's even go back to the Tokyo Olympics. Like is the level of Hayden Wilde and Alex Ye and the Frenchies and Vasco, is it is it higher than where it was only two, three years ago?
1: uh i guess all sports is developing uh as of getting the level is increasing a bit by bit every season or especially every olympic cycle uh but i guess we have seen a bigger jump in the level that's been improving in long course than what we've seen in short course like i feel it's more interest around the long course and it's more it, it's moving quicker in the long course Uh but if you look at the short course as an example, like it's a lot of the same athletes that uh, was uh, playing a factor in Tokyo. It's, it's still the same guys who is gonna be up there fighting for the win in Paris. Maybe the new thing is that there's even some new Germans on the way up uh, who is racing quite strong. But like both Alex and Hayden were uh, up there three years ago, and the same with the French. Um, so, maybe a little bit.
0: How do you expect yourself to have to win the Paris Olympics? Do you think that you've got to get off the bike and you're going to be there with Hayden and Alex, just like Tokyo, and you've got to be able to run, you know, twenty eight forty five or or thereabouts? Or do you see it being a breakaway with you and the Frenchies?
1: Uh, I think uh, it's healthy to be able to, like, if if you want to win, I think uh, you have to do the run work in order to beat. Alex and Hayden on the run, like uh, if you don't believe you can beat them on the run, I think it's going to be, then you basically only have one card to play on, and that's to drop them on the women bike, and uh, it is going to be a fast run anyway, so I'm hopefully going to be in a <laughs> good enough run fitness to be able to outrun them like I did in Tokyo, but I also want to be further up on the swim than where they are coming out so I can sort of do as I did in Edmonton as well, like being able to separate myself. So to have both of those scenarios that I can play on.
0: Do you think that one of those two is a bigger threat to you out of Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde?
1: I think it seems like every, every time Alex and Hayden is racing against each other, then Alex, especially over... A 10K comes out on top, so um, I guess, well, I don't know, really. But I also feel that Hayden is more hungry than Alex in order to win Paris.
0: What makes you get the, the sense that he's more hungry than Alex?
1: He is... I don't know them super well, but just like from... it, It seems like... He is, is sort of burning more for him. Like it's it's really mad it's really important. And I think that's uh, good when you're chasing something like that, that you're really putting your heart and soul into it. And I get the sense that Hayden is sort of it is more important for him than what it is for Alex. And and for like if and, and when you're building in for something like that, a race like that. And it's like you have to stay focused for basically 12 months going into a race. Uh, I guess just that motivation different can play a difference on the day as well.
0: And so with your training leading into the Paris Olympics, uh, you, you, Gustav, Olav, you've become famous for how hard you train, how much you train, how dedicated you are to training and training camps and and living the life of a, a professional triathlete. Are you going to take risks in training? Are you going to do more than what you think anyone else will? Are you going to do crazy run volume? You know, crazy run sessions. Is there is there anything you're going to do to take a risk to to try and win this, or are you just going to sort of tick off consistent weeks, week in week out, up until Paris and and see what happens?
1: Uh, I think you're always balancing like that thin line of uh, and trying to do as much as possible without stepping too far uh, so i wouldn't call it risk but it's maybe a calculated risk uh, more than anything else um, but volume wise i think we're already up there like we can't uh, just ramp it up even more like we have to uh, be uh, doing it in a clever
0: way can you give me any insight into to what clever ways you might go about uh maybe separating yourself from other people in your training?
1: No, I mean like yeah, you, you can't just add in like two more track sessions a week as an example. Uh but it's more like taking like like we have an given amount of hours that we can train a week and I'm trying to balance swim bike run more even now. Like last year I think it was in super strong like uh, form on the bike, but I was missing a little bit on the run, and then it's about like over time, maybe cutting off a little bit uh, duration of the intervals on the bike, so I always have a little bit more energy for my track session, as an example. So it's more the way you're prioritizing the sessions uh, in a training week over time that I think can make a difference, and then feeling confident enough that the discipline you're down prioritizing is still going to be good enough. So uh, especially like the run and the swim is something I'm trying to improve now uh, over the next couple of months.
0: So right now, um, a few months out from the Paris Olympics versus say a few months out from uh, Kona or a few months out from the 70.3 World Championships or a few months out from a big PTO race, how different is your run training? Like are you doing – more or less now compared to in the lead into a big full distance race and and, and how does the run training look different?
1: Uh, I think volume wise it's very similar but it's more um, uh, about getting more case around race pace uh, like if you're building into a full distance race then it's more common to maybe do more threshold workouts and you try to stretch Uh, stretch it more so maybe bringing it up to like 14 15 16 k's uh, uh, on the track at around threshold and you can maybe come into the session with more fatigue Uh, well now i try to do a little bit more like short intervals uh, maybe just finish the track work the track session at 12 or 14 k and making sure that um having a high enough speed on the run. And that's something by just adjusting the distance uh, in the intervals. So instead of running 3Ks or 2Ks, I can do 1Ks or 400, 500 meters and finding that balance to get enough speed in, but not too much. Because if if you do all your runs at like 255 pace, that's going to also increase your injury risk quite a lot. So it's about finding enough the balance between enough volume, enough threshold and enough at the higher higher speed.
0: And how much volume a week are you doing like in say like kilometers? How many Ks a week would you be running at the moment?
1: I guess in average it's been about 100 Ks. Uh, some weeks at 110, some weeks at 90, but like in average, it's been uh, like 100Ks over the past couple of months and hopefully I can stay there until the next until Paris. And then the time on bike has been reduced, I would say, by a couple of
0: hours. And do you sort of agree with what I said before that you're probably going to have to be able to run like 28.40, 28.45 to compete with Alex and Hayden um, come race day at the Olympics?
1: yeah like uh i think didn't alex do like 29 flats while jogging in the last 2k in paris uh last summer so i guess we will see something around around there um so it's going to be require a fast run uh unless the bike is like the, the bike is going harder like it depends on the dynamic on the bike if you are like a group of 10, 12 guys getting away, then I think that the total run speed will also be reduced.
0: And so, with your swimming at the moment, you said you're you're working on your swimming as well as your running, um, which you know that's obviously the formula that's that's gonna you know that you're going to need coming from long distance down to short distance to compete at this level. What do you mean when you when you say you're working on your swimming? Are you changing anything compared to what you were doing? When you were training for Kona or, or PTO races? Uh
1: like especially for Kona, we were doing more, like you, you invest less time uh in the water because the bike and run is more crucial. So we sort of are down prioritizing those sessions. Uh well, now we do the opposite. Like we try to take off some intensity on the bike, uh doing a little bit less long rides. So we'll make sure that like every swim session we're doing, we're doing a little bit more fresher uh, in order to do it with a higher quality and also uh, getting more help uh, on the deck now. So we have are having Matzen, uh, with us for many of our swim sessions who's helping us with the technique and making sure that we are uh, having a good program where we're improving.
0: You've all heard me rave about Pillar Performance's triple magnesium powder for over a year now, but My second favorite product from Pillar has to be their Ultra Immune C. We all know the key to triathlon training is consistency and nothing wrecks your consistency more than getting sick every five to six weeks. I've been using Pillar's Ultra Immune C drink for a while now, and I can honestly say that I feel like I've been getting sick a lot less. Like, I haven't had those periods of four, five, six days where I can't do anything and can't leave the house and can't train because I've got a cold or another you know, chest infection. It, it honestly just hasn't been happening. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that's because of Ultra Immune C, but I feel like it is. Um, Ultra Immune C from Pillar Performance not only contains vitamin C, which has well-known immunity benefits, but it also contains zinc and vitamin D. And this is one of the reasons I started taking in June last year at the start of um, the the Southern Hemisphere's winter and haven't stopped since. So if you're slogging it out through the winter, particularly if you're in America or Europe now where it is winter and you're spending way too much time inside and you're doing all your training inside – then grab yourself some Pillar Ultra Immune C. It doesn't just have vitamin C, it has zinc, it has vitamin D, all things that are going to benefit your immune system. Uh, and if you do want to grab that or anything from Pillar Performance, then make sure you use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. And now let's like um, skip forward. So let's say you've won the Olympics and then um, you get the automatic qualification slot to Kona. What do you think that your time from August right through uh, from like the day you've won the Olympics to the day you set foot on the start line at Kona, what do you think that period looks like for you?
1: I guess it's going to be all in on the TT bike again uh, and trying to find a good position there, spending enough time. So I'm not cramping up. <laughs> That's going to be crucial. <laughs> and and uh I guess we will go back to altitude, uh, either Formø or Andorra. I'm quite keen to try out Andorra. Uh, And then I think we will use sort of the same formula, of like going to the island three weeks out from the race and starting a little bit with the heat before, but doing the main block in Kona in terms of heat training. And then uh, getting familiar with Queen K again.
0: Do you really think it's possible. Like I'm not doubting you or anything like that. I just want to know what you think. Like when you close your 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 eyes at night. Like do you really think that it's possible with how high the level is at long course at the moment and how high it is at short course? Do you really think it's possible to win both this year?
1: I think Paris is the one that's going to be difficult. <laughs> uh so uh but yes like uh as long as I'm able to get back into the fitness I, I need to be in order to win Paris. Then I think I have what I need, like fund, uh, build up like a big enough uh, foundation in order to fine tune my engine again going into long course. And also, this this time around we will be quite experienced over long course. Like I've already raced like three hour months before going to Kona, while well, last time I raced way less. So uh, yeah, more experienced, and had more time to think about the race I had there two years ago. What went wrong? What went right? And uh, uh, yeah, more experienced.
0: And talk to me about that. Like, what went wrong? What went right in twenty twenty two when you came third to Gustav and Sam Laidlow? What 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 did you learn? What did you learn? What did, What will you take from that day and that race and that experience into this year's race? Uh.
1: It is like again, like uh, I think like the, the obvious one with San Nato, like you can't get people get away uh, on the way back on Queen K as an example, and it's and the same sort of happened with uh, Lucy this year. So to be more on the gas, even though we made it up to the top of Favi, and training wise, it's maybe getting a little bit uh more. Threshold work and more focus on the run stride closer into the race rather than just doing half fast runs uh, for too much time going into the race. So I think going into Kona, I was, I'm I'm not really sure, but I, I felt I was pressure coming off the bike in both Cozumel. And in the St. George race and when I was coming off the bike in Kona, there I felt (laughs) awful from the beginning on the run. And uh, I'm not sure if it comes down to uh, overworking on the bike and sort of staying too or not being good enough to ride the pace I did back from uh, uh, Javi or the fact that all the surges that Magnus Ditler was putting in on the way up to Harvey he was uh, putting, uh, like, destroying my run legs. Uh, but, uh, like, I, I need to feel better coming off the bike than what I did uh, in 22.
0: And you, you saw what Sam Laidlow did at Nice at the Ironman World Championships in last year, 2023, winning it. Um, do you think that his level will be, like, better again uh, at 20 this year in 2024 at Kona than what it was in 2022 and even 2023
1: it's it's hard to say but uh, like he raised knees nice and and Kona pretty much the same way like uh, swam in the front and then just went on the bike early on and the same he did in Kona like he did break away early on in, in Kona like he were like 45 seconds ahead of us for most of the time going into uh, going out to Javi and then he just uh, managed to open up the gap um and accelerate on the way back and he sort of did the same in this so like you can sort of expect him to to be pushing hard on the bike uh so that shouldn't come as as a surprise uh so i guess the fact that everyone knows it and they are aware of it then it's going to be more tricky for him to do anything with it especially on a course that is in kona because in kona it's more up to or like in this is more up to yourself like because it's a technical course and you can take advantage of that while in kona it's more you get more benefits of following other riders
0: you you think you might get involved in a group with like Magnus and Max and and maybe even Gustav and you guys just don't let Sam get away like it's just like as soon as he makes his move, we're onto it and we just we're not letting him get away. Is that is that basically what you have to do to be able to beat him this year?
1: Uh, I guess there is different ways to beat him, but like the more people are aware of your strength, like the harder it sometimes is to use them. It's like Magnus, like uh, people know that he's riding hard and. They know that he might come from behind and they're sort of prepared to stick with him. Uh, And that makes it harder for him then to to get away. So then he needs to even uh, accelerate or like try to really put in a surge in order to create the gaps that he wants to have. So the fact that people are getting aware of how he's racing, I think is going to be more tricky for
0: him. And just a little sidetrack here about the PTO and the T100 Tour. When did they ask you to race this year? And was it, did they just send you an email when they sent it to everyone else? Or did they get in touch with you personally to ask you to race the the T100 Series this year?
1: Oh, I was off, or they spoke to Adam, my manager. And, uh, I think we've had contact basically since last year. So, um, I felt confident that I would be getting a contract if if I wanted to race or if I found enough time to race Uh, especially as I were ranked number one from last year and they offered everyone who was top 16 I think a contract so um, I was sort of it was more about the timing and uh, I felt I would have sacrificed my chances in Kona in order to sign the contract and then it wasn't worth it
0: and so, when you said no to the, the the contract offer, did they just go okay, fair enough, and and move on, or did they come back and and try to almost win you over to get you to race the T one hundred Tour this year?
1: Um, I felt they understood, like it was sort of expected. Uh, I think they were, they, they, they saw it coming
0: they didn't go like, hey, what if we offer you a little bit more money? Can, w- would you consider it? Was there anything like that?
1: Uh, no. So, uh, uh, like, it is very difficult to race. Like, like, I really wanted to do the last three weeks going into Kona, just dialing in for one race. And I felt in 22, I was also racing a sprint distance, six weeks out from the race. and um like uh, i think it's good to have a bigger block of just focusing on that race because that's a race i feel i really feel i'm missing
0: and so is there any scenario this year like i know that you're saying like it's olympics and it's kona but is there any scenario any possibility that we could see you at a T100 race after the olympics if things change or is it just 100% locked in guaranteed olympics then kona
1: uh, I don't think there will be anything in between, but maybe after corner, like depends on the schedule and the timings. And uh, but for now, like it is. Uh, even now, like I don't really think too much on corner. Like it's uh, all in for Paris, and then from there, uh, when I'm done with that race, then I'm uh, changing the the training so so like it's not like i'm trying to do any training in the backup in order to be prepared for kona like it's now all in short course and i think it needs to be that way in order to be able to compete against those guys uh and then when i'm done with that race then i will sort of go all in towards uh, kona so it's, it's not like half half or any balancing there
0: and what is the, why have you made the decision to go Olympics and Kona? Is it just because, you know, no one's really like, no one's ever done that. It's historic. It's like another way to sort of make yourself stand out as the greatest of all time. Is it to to achieve something other people haven't, or is there other reasons? It is
1: the, like those are the two biggest races we have in the sport. And uh, that's, also the most difficult challenge you can combine in one year so it's both it's just the fact that that's where all ice will be and I want to stand on the biggest stages and race against the best guys in the sport and I think that's the two days where you will have the best of the short course guys uh, assembled in Paris and then you will have the same the best of the best in uh, Kona in October so uh, uh, it's like the challenge in trying to do the impossible, possible, I guess.
0: Definitely does. From the outside looking in, like if any, if literally anyone else, there's not a single other person on the planet. Well, maybe outside of Taylor, yet, but in the in the men's side of triathlon, there's not a single other person on the planet that, if they said they were going to try and achieve this, that you would think they were a chance. You're like the only person, probably in the history of the sport, male that is. Who, if they said they're going to do this, you go, fuck. He just might do this. Uh, what is it? Do you think about you that separates you from so many other people? Like, what makes you special?
1: I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm mean, I'm used to quite a little high volume from a young age, and I think that's making it easy to. to uh, transform into long course as well. And uh, I've always been doing quite a lot of volume for a short course guys, a guy. So I, I'm able to do the volume uh, that's required and it's more about doing enough speed work to get fast enough for a short course.
0: Do you think that you're naturally better at short course, m- middle distance or long course?
1: Long course, I feel. So when I was like a kid or like junior and early, I always felt like, uh, like even though I was chasing the Olympics in Tokyo, uh, I always felt almost more confident that I can win an Ironman World Championship than winning the Olympics. Uh, and I can do it with less amount of preparation than what it's required to win the
0: Olympics. Do you think that if everyone, like if everyone in the world was given a year to train for Kona and everyone had to do it, like no one could go and race other races, do you see yourself as like the guy who would win Kona? Do you see yourself as the best long course triathlete in the world right now?
1: Not right now. I think uh, uh, the last two champions is Sam and Gustav. So I sort of, uh, I didn't win in Kona and I didn't participate in this so you have to give it to the ones who actually won the last two races. But hopefully I can be I can showcase that I'm there in October this year.
0: And uh speaking of Gustav, obviously we've got to talk mm-hmm. about him. How's how's everything going with Gustav at the moment? Is he training with you right now? Uh
1: yeah, so we just had a swim together this morning uh, and he's been with us in Sierra Nevada. Uh, but training wise, it's, it's a long journey back to running and fitness, uh, like he's not like last October, I think when he was like taking a break from running, they told him like, it's going to be like maybe three months. And then the second message were like, it's maybe six weeks out of running. Now it's been like half a year and he's still not uh running uh, normal so it's uh it's a tricky way back but i guess you just have to trust uh or, or take your time and uh and uh he will be ready when he's ready
0: inside the camp how how do you guys like how do you navigate that how do you how do you sort of go from being you know the two best long-course triathletes on the planet, two of the two of the best short-course triathletes on the planet as well, winning everything that you show up to and really being each other's only main competition for a lot of the time, um, particularly over PTO distance and, and full distance with Sam Laidlow and Magnus thrown in there and Maxi Newman thrown in there, but really being each other's two main competition to now suddenly Gustav having an extended period where a lot of things have happened in his life with his personal situation and now this long uh, chronic injury how do you navigate that as friends and training partners?
1: Um well, like I think we have that's one of the reasons why we've been able to train well together, even though we have been training for like like winning Kona or like even though when we train together for Kona, like we were both our main competitors, but we were still able to have a good balance in the daily training. And I think it's the same here, like it's not like we are competing against each other every single day, but we're more there to give each other a little bit of slack in the training and help uh, around when it's possible. And um, yeah, it's it's more like we are on the same team than racing against each other in the daily training.
0: And are you guys both like hoping, maybe secretly and, and not saying it publicly, but are you are you guys hoping that you'll be there racing each other in Kona at the end of the year? Uh,
1: yeah, or I think that's his. Uh, that he's been saying that, that he also wants to go to Kona this year. So, of course, if he can uh, come back or have his sort of comeback race in Kona, it's going to be uh amazing journey. Uh, but for now, it's more like he, he needs to get healthy and try, like, being able to run a proper uh, run week without pain.
0: And inside the camp, is it sort of like are you, is uh, is it being like decided that like you're targeting the Olympics and Gustav's just getting healthy, but the Olympics for Gustav are like a hundred percent not happening in in 2024.
1: I think the the closer we get to May without him being able to run, like the less the chances is that he's going to take or being able to take a spot because he he basically needs the podium in. Yokohama or Cagliari in order to show that he is a winning candidate for Paris in order to be selected. So the more weeks we go without him being able to run, the less the chances will be. But then also the more weeks, like, like when you're having an injury like this without having like a end date on it, you're feeling like you're walking in a tunnel and you just assume that you will see the the end of the tunnel soon but you don't you can't really see the lights so uh, it's more like you're just keep going and hoping that in 2 weeks you'll be fine so uh, it's it's like a difficult uh, situation to be in
0: precision fuel and hydration make my favorite fueling products i've ever used The PF90 gel particularly, I find just the best thing I've ever used. It's 90 grams of carbohydrate in the one gel. Um, It comes in this really easy to use pouch that has like a little twist top on it. So you don't have to tear and fumble with the gel, which you're so used to doing with traditional gels. You just twist the top of it, which is really easy um, and it's completely mess free. It, it fits really easily in your back pocket on the bike, like of your tri-suit or your cycling jersey. So instead of having to store three gels or say if you wanted, you know, two of them instead of ha- having to, to store the traditional six gels, it's just two of these, which is so much easier. Um, and, and like something else I love about it is you can just hold it when you run. So say you're going for like a long brick session or a long run or you're, you're doing a race, instead of having to like always fumble with a new gel out of your back pocket and then tear, tear it and then like, worry about littering it or whatever, you just hold this one gel um, throughout your run, which I find really easy, um, particularly because of that twist top. Um, So yeah, I love that. I also love the PF30 caffeine gel and I'm really loving the PF30 electrolyte tablets at the moment just because it's a bit hotter here. Uh, I, I seriously do think Precision Fuel and Hydration should be everyone's go-to nutritional product for training and racing. That's how much I love it. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. So if you do want to go and try some for yourself, um, make sure you use the discount code TTH15, which gets you 15% off your first order. And speaking of the team, uh, is there been any changes, any dup- updates to uh, the the little like team that you guys have with with Olav and, and you and Gustav? and guess Kenji as well, Uh, and the Norwegian Federation, or is is everything just the same as what it was last year? It's
1: pretty much the same as last year. So uh, we are uh, focusing on our training and our progress and trying to just get as fit as we can in order to be ready for Paris.
0: And has there been any, like... Any conversations? Considering you're a defending Olympic gold medalist who's going in to defend their Olympic title, representing the country of Norway, have they have they tried to talk to you at all about you know breaking bread and making things right with you?
1: Uh, not really. So uh, we are, yeah, just trying to do the training we can do, and then uh, they are doing their. Trading.
0: it's crazy um and then going back circling back to the the pto and the t100 tour with all of the announcements that have been happening lately all of the hype around it um, everything being announced have you had any any fomo like have you been jealous of it at all and wished that oh maybe i maybe i did want to go and do that like this does look fun or is it sort of hasn't crossed your mind at all
1: well of course like it's uh it looks cool like and i've been a part of basically all the like Canadian Open and uh, U- US Open and uh, Singapore. So I've, I've done quite a lot of PDO races and I know that uh, it is like uh, really well organized events and uh, the racing as well is like yeah, <laughs> maybe the place we're finding the highest level outside of uh, Paris and uh, Corner, so uh, it is. Of course, like it's probably. I'm probably gonna feel it more when I'm watching it uh, on TV and feeling that I should have been there. But also, I know that uh, uh, I have to do everything I can in order to be able to win those two races. I want really want to win this year.
0: You are the uh, you're the most successful male uh, PTO distance triathlete of all time. So. Yeah, you've been more than being involved in it. You've you've been the guy out there dominating it, really. Um, with with that being said, Christian, who do you let's talk about the women for a little bit, and and then we'll come to the men. Who do you see as the favorite to win the inaugural T one hundred World Championships? Um.
1: So, so the hard thing is the balance there between who is racing the Olympics and who is racing the Ironman series, and who. We'll try to combine both, and who is signed to just get a check, uh, and then focusing on long course. So, I think the ones who is going all in for the T100 series will have a big benefit there, like Ash and maybe Lucy uh, will be the two favorites. And of course, if 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 Taylor Nip turns up, she will. <laughs> be the favorite for the, the, the races she is doing, but I'm not sure if she is doing the four of them or like like she needs to do enough races in order to win overall.
0: That's what I was going to say. If in, a, if in a hypothetical world, let's say, let's not even talk about who's going to win the world champs, but let's say if everyone showed up to the grand final and everyone yeah. was fit, who, who would you have as the favorite to win? I think over
1: a middle distance race, you always want to put Taylor Nib as a favorite, uh, Especially after what she've been showing uh, in the races that she has done,
0: and you've you've raced uh, alongside, not not really with, but alongside at the same events as a couple of the the hot shots in Flora Duffy and Taylor Spivey. How do you think? Who do you think out of those two is more suited to the distance? How do you think both of them will go over the the T one hundred distance? I think.
1: Uh Flora have so so what's been surprising is to see the bike strength in short course with Flora versus Taylor Nive, and then see the difference in long course where, uh, Taylor is able to, uh, yeah, put like two or three minutes gap into Flora. So I think the gap between Flora and Taylor Spive again can be bigger. Was sort of the same as it is up to Taylor Nib. But it will, of course, be interesting to see how it goes with Taylor Spivey. Like, she's always up there on the swim and short course and contributing to the work on the bike. Uh, but it's also something new to go on a TT bike and uh, ride for 80K and not just 40K.
0: Of the short course um, women that are, are sort of going to be at Paris and that includes, like, let's say it includes Flora and Taylor, um, do you think that they're the two who could make the most natural and maybe most successful shift to the t100 distance or do you think that there's others who aren't going to be racing t100 this year or who aren't contracted at least and and might make the step after Paris that that could go on to have the success of say someone like a Ashley gentle or a Taylor nib coming off their short course careers uh
1: it's I'm not Really sure, uh, because it seems also like it's less interest often amongst the girls to do more like both short course and long course. I feel like uh, amongst the guys, like it's more people uh, saying they're keen to race uh, off distance and try it out. So it seems like it's less women who is vocal about it. So then it's also harder to imagine who is keen to do it as well. And also in, uh, yeah, alongside the guys like, uh, as I'm racing against them, I also get a sense of feeling of how strong they are on the bike, and uh, it's the, therefore easier as well to get a sense of who is actually going to potentially perform in long course.
0: Okay, so let's do let's do a bit of a deep dive on the on the men's T100 series now. So, who do you think's the favorite to win it this year?
1: It's very open. Uh, It's Like, if Magnus is focusing on uh, Kona, I don't think he's... Like, he can be up there, but it's going to be quite a lot of races. So he's probably not only going for the T100. And that's also going to be a disadvantage for him over, like, Martin Van as an example, if, if he's going to race the last races after the Olympics. But also... It's been quite a lot of races that Martin have been skipping out of because of injuries or crashes. So the likelihood of him to finish four PTO races in one season is probably very, very small. Uh, well, the same with Max Newman. Like, like you need to be... The, the difficult thing with uh, racing uh, four or five good races uh, over a season... It's also that uh, you need, when you are in fit, in good shape, it's also easier to get injuries almost because all your training is happening over a higher power and a higher speed. And that's also going to, is often leading to an injury. So you need someone who's been able to raise consistency over time uh, without injuries and also being able to perform over half. Uh, but if you just go for the grand final, maybe Martin Van Ryl.
0: So you don't you don't you're not gonna put your name to a favorite for the overall uh first inaugural uh world champion?
1: <laughs> that I'm leaking that I'm even racing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I believe that so you would uh... Uh,
1: yeah. uh you know me. I, I prefer to go into a uh, race as an underdog, you know. I don't wanna have
0: <laughs> <laughs> when, when was the last time you were an underdog at a race? <laughs> like 2014
1: like walk behind in the shadow and just taking
0: the win in the end. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that's what you do, You Fly under the radar. Uh what about Jason West? You didn't mention him. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh
1: yeah, like uh, I think I think he can be uh up there as well like uh uh, I don't have the all the names in front of me but he's probably going to Target the pTO no the T100 series all in and that's also going to give him a big advantage uh because uh, when you suddenly have like the corner or challenge Roth in between it's, it's going to uh, affect the races around it uh and he's I think he's now giving up the Paris dream and also going all in for the T100 so uh Yeah, especially with his run, he can take a lot of races where, especially when Magnus isn't there, then the gap up to the front guys is going to be less uh, because Magnus is also dragging people with him uh, further up, up front. And when Magnus is not doing that, then it's also more likelihood for Jason West to perform well.
0: Can I can I play a little game with you? And I, it might be a bit controversial, so you can say no. But I want to say people's names, and you just say yes or no whether they can or can't win a single T one hundred race this year. Yes, uh, I'm ready. Javier Gomez. No. Rico Bogan. Yes. Sam Long. No. Ben Canute? No. Nope. Rudy Von Berg? No. Nope. Matthias Magier? Yes. Magnus Ditliff? Yes. Fred Funk? No. Nope. Max Newman?
1: I want to say no, but I guess I have to say yes.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> he literally uh, did beat you in one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is a bit of a rivalry there between you and Max that no one wants to talk about, but it's there. Uh, Alistair Brownlee?
1: nope.
0: Daniel Backergard? nope. Martin Van Riel? Yes. And I have one more. We've we've left some other people out there, but one more that I wanna I wanna ask you about Hayden Wild. Yes. Do you think that there's a chance after the Olympics, after Kona, that we we see yourself and Hayden Wild, and I know the PTO are very keen on Alex Yi uh, potentially as well. Is there a chance we see all of you come over and get wildcard slots to to race one of the races, maybe the the second last uh, Middle East one, for example.
1: Uh, I don't think Alex has either shown interest or is doing like like the training to do it. I think uh, I guess Hayden is is more prepared for it, and he's obviously shown interest as well. So I don't think the three of us will race in the same half
0: distance. Alex hasn't shown any interest, but I I get the vibe the PTO. Uh, have a lot of interest in Alex as potentially being a, a star of the future over there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went to him and uh, and offered him a whole lot of money to race, even if it's only in 2025.
1: But also like in order to race well, you need to be motivated for it and just to get some cash. I don't think it's enough motivation to do it. Maybe you can sign it and do one year, but then the res- results will not be there. And then, you will, you will not get the same offer the next year.
0: Have you ever had a race where you've been like that motivated by the money that you could win or something, <laughs> that, something that isn't in, an intrinsic motivation? Like has there ever been something that's motivated you that much?
1: I, I, I tried to do it in Ibiza when I was racing uh, <laughs> Max Newman. There was like 25 seconds to him and I, I tried to tell him, okay, for every, <clears throat> it's 50K different between second place and first place. And then I tried to tell myself every second I can catch, it can be like, but it, it wasn't enough.
0: <laughs> 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 so that's but what I, was, was
1: that I, I, I just tried to use that, like see if I could find somewhere else to dig and it didn't work.
0: <laughs> so for that last like four, five K in the run, was how much of that was like you were just thinking about money?
1: um not real like you want to win the but then like the the thought was like strike like striking my mind like okay it's um it is 50k different from being second place and winning the race so i did did try to think okay it's 5k that's like 10 10k per k which (laughs) is about 2k (laughs) per second if i actually do it okay that's right (laughs) But it just didn't work like when when you're already running full gas you you can't really find 25 seconds extra
0: are we ever going to talk about the the secret rivalry between you and Max Newman is that ever going to get talked about
1: there is unfortunately there is no rivalry like I wish I could have raced him more but then you know when he's not following the the science bullshit training, he gets injured, do <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I hope Max comes back and has a, a good year and uh, yeah. and you guys are around as well because that was something that we needed to see more of.
1: Yeah. It, it, it cost him a stress fracture to beat me. So in one way, I broke him.
0: To be fair, I honestly reckon if you went to almost anyone and said, hey – you're going to beat Christian Blumenfeld and win a PTO title or a T100 title, but you're going to get a stressy. I reckon like at least nine out of ten people are going to say yes to that. <laughs> so, there's only been – what is it? There's only been – really, there's only been three people that have beaten you at a PTO race. Jan Fredino, Gustav Eden, and Max Newman. Like That's a pretty good club to be a part of.
1: Yeah, I, would have, I would have taken the stress pressure myself to win the US Open. So… <laughs>
0: Are you disappointed? If, if, if you, if you
1: offered me a stress fracture for there, I would have actually taken it. Especially exactly. looking back.
0: That's my point. Look, looking back at that race at the US Open, how does that how does that sit with you?
1: It is of course annoying. Like it's the last race and the second race I had with Jan and to to sort of lose it like that is of course annoying. And yeah, I just tried to forget it.
0: I was, uh, I was obviously doing commentary with uh, with Craig Alexander at, at the Asian Open, uh, which you which you did win a few weeks later. And he he said to me, he goes, "If Christian didn't cramp, he would have beat Yarn that day." Do you feel about the same about it that it was only because of the cramps that you didn't win, or do you but think that a, was just
1: that's like a part of racing? You know, it's like if you did the nutrition right, you would have won. Like it's. By the end of the day, it's who is crossing the finish line first, who is being able to grab the tape and take the win.
0: Do you think that the version of you who raced at the US Open versus the version of you who raced it at the uh, at the Asian Open a few weeks later, do you think that you were drastically better a couple of weeks later when you when you dominated and, and no one was in your league?
1: I think I was actually better in more better fitness in in Milwaukee. Wow. Like uh because yeah, like in Asian Open, I was coming straight from Paris, and I didn't really do much training on the bike since I did like maybe sixty minutes of bike fitting the evening before the Paris test event. That was like the time I was able to put in because my focus was really on the test event, and uh, I guess I was able to take advantage of the heat in. In Singapore, and was more like racing, more controlled. Uh, but I, I guess my fitness was better in Milwaukee.
0: So, just how like, just how high level was Yarn's performance at Milwaukee? Then, mm.
1: like from one to ten, or like, <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know, like, or comparing it to other performances, like, how, where does it sit on? the list of of best races that someone has had in a race that you've been at
1: um not really sure but like he took the win So, uh but it's hard to compare races against different races like uh in like like if you compare Nice to uh Kona, as an example like uh, the Nice course is suiting uh some athletes more than the Kona race and Therefore, like uh, you, it can also be hard for some athletes to perform in this, as an example, because it's so hilly. So if Jan would have won in this, I guess that would have been more impressive than him winning in Kona. So it also depends on on uh, how you are as an athlete and what skills you have.
0: Were you surprised, with given how high-level Jan's performance was at the US Open to beat you and, and Jason West versus the the day he had, or I guess like the disappointing day he had um, at Nice for the Ironman World Championships, which was you know his his big last final race. Um, w- were you surprised in the in just how good he was at the US Open versus maybe the the disappointing day he had at, at the Ironman World Championships?
1: Uh, I was more surprised of how good you were in Milwaukee. Like I, uh, I heard he would be struggled, like he's been riding slow in the climbs. Uh, before uh, so I didn't have much expectation of him in Nice uh, but I was yeah quite surprised of his run and like overall swim back run in in Milwaukee
0: How did you hear that he wasn't climbing well?
1: Well people are speaking like uh, I think he got dropped by a few guys in Andorra and then the, the rumors are going around and also he raced the half Distance in Andorra, where he got dropped quite a bit, I think, on the bike from Jonas Schumberg, uh, and he was he was able to ride him back down again because Jonas was on a road bike, I think. Uh, so like j- just by the words on the street,
0: <laughs> the words on the street,
1: and also I think he didn't race the Nice race in 2019 because it was hilly. And I guess that also comes down to that he didn't believe he would have been able to win it.
0: Why? Why is it? Why is it that someone can be so good at a course like Kona, win it three times, win a win a race like the U.S. Open, but then not be able to uh, climb at the level they have to 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 win a, a course like Nice?
1: Oh, like uh, in a flat course, like power to to aerodynamic or CDA is more important than it is over a heli course where weight is a bigger factor. So, uh, And also if you're performing well in heat and humidity, then uh, you don't have the same strength over if it's colder. So um, it's just like some courses fit some athletes and other courses doesn't.
0: There's lots of tri-suit brands out there, but Win Republic are my favorite by far. I've bought five or six different Women Republic tri-suits in my time, and I've honestly loved all of them, but the Lucao Plus, which is their most recent one, is particularly good and my favorite one that I've ever put on. Uh, I actually know a girl who got given a free tri-suit by another brand that I won't name, but... Uh, she then also tried a Win Republic Lucao plus uh, tri suit. and she said she thought it was just so much more comfortable than the other one that she got given. and um, so she started to do all of her training bricks in the win one, even though she was given a free one from another brand or a free couple from another brand to race him. Uh, and then she went and did some velodrome testing and took both of the suits just because she wanted to see. And she actually found out that the Win one was up to eight watts faster than the other one, just depending on speeds and that kind of thing, I think. So uh, that might not sound like much, but considering the other brand is one of the other top uh, line ones in the sport, I thought that was a pretty crazy difference uh, up to eight watts. So yeah, I, I thought I, I'd like to just tell someone else a story about Win Republic uh, instead of, you know, me just always saying how much I love it and how you should try it. Uh, they're, they're clearly very fast, but the other thing is they're just so comfortable. Like they really are. You put them on, you go, oh, this is like so much more comfortable than the other tri suits I've worn in the past, or at least that's what it was for me. That's what it was for this, this girl as well. So yeah, if you wanted to try one for yourself, um, you can use the discount code TTH15, which gets you 15% off anything on the Win Republic website. I want to take you back to what you said about the, the testing that you've, you've done. Um, and then, like, that that video that, that got put out where Olav, like, did the test with you and he looks at you and he looks very serious and dramatic and he goes, we cannot release these numbers. Uh, wh- when that happened and you're there running on the treadmill and Olav looks like that and says that, what's going through your mind?
1: Uh, so... I'm used to look at the number like when I'm running. I sort of know what numbers to expect coming up, and I know what I've done before, and I also have like a feeling of what I have if I have something more left. So of course, I knew that uh, when the 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 total volume just kept increasing, I uh, sort of understood that he would probably be surprised, <laughs> especially when it increased by like 10% from um, the previous test. Um, But also, for me, it's not that massive amount of joy to perform in the lab. It's just like a confirmation that I am where I need to be and I'm probably good in training leading into it. So uh, it doesn't come as a big surprise that I'm performing well in the test uh For me, it's more like it's showcasing that I have something to build on in July. So it's like, yeah. So I think i U- U- Ula- was more like <laughs> surprised and uh, in good mood.
0: And I asked him uh, on the podcast I did with him about his move to F1, and he was sort of a bit sheepish about it. He sort of laughed a little bit, but. What you, have you got any updates for me on Olav's uh, potential career move to F1 following your you winning the Olympics and Kona?
1: If I'm going to drive F1,
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think if I think Olav might be ditching you for Max Verstappen.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like to take F1 is like taking candy from a kid.
0: Isn't? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to explain that joke to people.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. That, that, that was what he said before we were coming into long distance like, like taking long distance is like stealing candy from a kid That's simple um, but uh, yeah like he's uh, he's having a lot of opportunities uh, but for now he's committed to our project going into uh, Paris and in Kona so we feel quite lucky to be able to have him um, so invested into our project
0: it's a pretty funny, like, mental image to picture you and Olav in twenty twenty five going across to an F one team, like maybe Ferrari or whatever. Lewis Hamilton's driving for Ferrari, and then you're in the other seat, and all, Ol- and then like when you're watching the F one, Olaf's just in the background with like a clipboard, like you know, running numbers on his clipboard, and you're sitting like tucked into an F one car.
1: <laughs> yeah, then it will be like one guy scoring points and another guy crashing cars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: how do you reckon you'd go do you reckon you'd be a good f1 driver
1: nah i would i would have been a safe one
0: <laughs> Oh, really That's i'm i'm surprising. a safe driver
1: i'm a safe driver not a show off driver
0: yeah you' take enough put enough red bulls into you and i reckon that might change <laughs> um behind the scenes christian is olaf like is he more a normal guy or is he more a crazy scientist
1: uh I think he's what you see is what he is like uh and you probably only see like his expertise within sport but he's having like expertise basically in every field so um yeah, he's a really impressive guy to work with like he's he's able to digest knowledge in uh, a way that I guess I've never seen any people being able to to do so uh he's uh, uh sometimes i feel like in the same way i'm like uh alongside those who can do like the most training and absorb the most amount uh, volume of training he can do the same with knowledge so uh he's full on 24 7.
0: do you remember when the point was where you like realized oh, this guy is going to be the guy who coaches me like no one else. Like you obviously had, um, you know, a period where Olaf wasn't your head coach and and then like he made the shift to being your head coach from just being a guy who was maybe a little more in the background or a little bit more of, of an assistant coach. Do you remember the moment you had where you thought like, this is the guy I need to work with?
1: Uh, Not like straight on. I remember he came home uh, before Rio, like – to my basement to do some uh, uh basic testing on my turbo and like the profile. Uh and then uh he he was like a part of designing like one of the sessions that we did going into Rio in order to be ready for that course. And in 2017 was like the first season where he was like fully like more involved with the whole team. And, of course, when we got more familiar with the testing we did in lab and we felt like improvements quite drastically from just being more aware of intensity control, then I was getting more and more interested in trying to understand uh, his philosophy.
0: And is there other, any other technology that you guys are going to bring into the sport? Like is there anything new? Like we always had Gustav's shoes in 2022 – we know what you guys have done with with your lactate testing, your your work with KDEX on on your bike. Is there anything new in the plans? Like anything new that we're going to see in twenty twenty
1: four? Yeah, of course. Like it's a Olympic year, so uh, of course we want to have the fastest suit, bike, shoes, everything again. So there will be popping out some new equipment that we've been working on over the last. Year, year and a half. Uh that's gonna be uh, released in time so we can use it in Paris.
0: Can you give us any any hint to what maybe some big stuff like big big shoes, big bikes? Is there is there anything like that, that you could hint hint at? Uh
1: not really. But <laughs> but of course like uh we we are working with the partners that we are been working with since um yeah for the last year and a half.
0: Maybe some secret shoes coming from on? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Here's the question. Magnus Ditliv, he always tries to have one thing that he brings in every year that no one else knows about and that makes him faster than everyone else and and that hopefully by the end of the year everyone's talking about. At the end of 2024, do you think more people will be talking about something that you brought in or something that Magnus brought in?
1: Probably, I don't know. Like, maybe you will maybe see. I'm using what he brought in
0: <laughs>
1: in Kona. As long as he started using it before, like mid season, maybe I will be copying him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever Magnus does, copying it seems to work pretty well on the bike. Uh, how how's everything else going at the moment? Like, what what are you doing now? Um, what's your plans for the for the next few weeks?
1: Yes. Yeah, so now. I just came home from Altitude like two days ago. So uh, having two weeks now in Bergen before heading to Abu Dhabi. So we will do a little bit of like indoor heat sessions and then some intensity and then sprint distance in Abu Dhabi. And then it's back again to Bergen. Do a testing in the lab to see how, uh, to get an idea of how the system is looking compared to how it was in January. And then we will go to Altitude in Sierra Nevada again. And do altitude block and then uh, sea level block, and then racing. and then we'll do that one more time, and we'll be suddenly in Paris.
0: Awesome, mate. Well, let's wrap it up there. Good to talk, as always, Christian. Uh, you always give plenty of uh, little nuggets of gold. Uh, so if you if you could if you could like, um, in say six months' time, look back, do you, do you think that you care? Like if you came second at the Olympics, for example, and second at Kona or only won Kona but didn't have a good Olympics, which one of them would be the better result for you?
1: I would rather win Paris and
0: that's it. (laughs) I was coming to that. I had a second question. (laughs) Uh, So basically Paris and and, and nothing else matters. Once you win Paris – do you think you go down as the greatest short course athlete of all time over Alistair Brownlee? Mm, that's that's going to be up to other people to judge. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see till after Paris. But I'm sure we'll talk to you plenty of times before yeah. then anyway. Um, are you going to make, like, be any long course races this year or are you just going to race your three short course races, race the Olympics and they're the only races we'll see you at? Like you won't come and commentate one of the PTO races or, or anything like that or an Ironman race? No, no.
1: So it would be as little uh, traveling in racing as possible just to really settle down a little bit. Like last year was quite hectical. And like the the racing itself doesn't take much out of the body, but like to go into a race week and uh, to do sort of the media stuff around that and sponsorship. requirements and like s- just stuff takes time. So we're trying to minimize that and just focusing on those two races.
0: It doesn't help though that you do three races in like four days and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. but then
1: the, the, the three races in those four days then the races is fine because that's basically as, as you're doing in training, but then the travel and the commitment around the races that it's uh, taking energy. It was, it was strange to like coming to Singapore and I didn't even know the course and I had to ask like, <laughs> as I'm checking in the bike, okay, so where's the water? Okay, the water is over there. Okay, so we come <laughs> in and the swim there and then bike is, okay, we go around here. Okay. like <laughs> I felt a little bit like unprepared, you can say.
0: It was so funny how everyone like was waking up for breakfast the next morning and all everyone was talking about was like how you were running on the hotel treadmill at midnight the night before and everyone was like showing photos they'd taken of you in the in the gym at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: wasn't able to do much heat training, so I had to do like one session at least to feel ready.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, are, you, are we going to see you at uh, 70.3 World Champs at the end of the year or you're just not even thinking that far ahead yet?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: um yeah well cool mate with uh with the fact that you're not going to be at many long course races and you're going to be embedded in the short course world for the next few months up until like august we got to make sure we get you on the podcast a few times to get keep getting updates and and uh keep making yourself seen in the long course world because uh yeah it's good because
1: people don't people don't watch short course you
0: mean well i mean you said it not me <laughs> do you notice it though? Do you notice that when you go off and focus on short course, you get way less attention than when you do on long course?
1: Uh, you feel it uh, often around the event, like it's less interest, like building up. Uh, like for, as an example, in twenty two, when we first raced Corn, and then we went race Saint George, and then we went to Bermuda, and it was, it was almost like it wasn't an event happening, like. It was nothing, nothing interest around the event. So that was like a shocker.
0: Do you think that like, is it just, because I like I get in trouble for saying this a little bit, but like, I think the short course is a little bit of a dying sport and you know, it, it was my first love. Like I I loved short course racing, but probably the the period of racing I've loved more than any, even, even like current day racing is that 2011, 2012, 2013, Alistair Brownlee, Javier Gomez period. Like that's, that's. Yeah, that's as much as I've ever enjoyed triathlon. But I do find myself getting a bit bored with short course racing now and not that interested in it. Um, Do you think that the sport of short course triathlon, you know, is dying a little bit or do you think it will just always be around?
1: Uh, It's probably always going to be around. But, uh, like, you feel often the venues is getting smaller and smaller. Like, if you're going to one place – the last five years, and you suddenly have a smaller and smaller loop just to be able to close off roads or less and less roads, then you feel that you are uh, almost not taking any space in the city anymore. and it's and they don't have enough room to play around to make good courses.
0: Why is that? Is it a money thing?
1: Uh, probably by the end of today,
0: yeah, wow. I mean, when you when, so when you're going and doing like a WTCS race, Do you just find that, like, is there lots of crowds? Is there lots of people watching it, you know? Do you know, do you have any idea what the viewership numbers are on TV or anything like that?
1: Uh, No, I don't know the numbers, really. But they, they have some good races. Like, if you put a race in Spain or France, like, there will always be good people and a lot of people sharing on. So it's more about, like, also choosing the right places to put the races and also making good courses. Yeah. So, like, if, if you put it in the right place, it will be a lot of people watching a short course race.
0: Do you think that, that like that's a trap the T100 uh, Tour can't fall into? Like, the WTCS, um, you know, crit-style courses, like flat, boring, you know, 6 to 10-lapped courses. Do, do you think that's a trap that the T100 Tour, if they, if they fall into, it will, like, slowly get less and less popular?
1: I think with a... Us- the thing with it when you're racing 80k uh you can certainly do like 10 or 15k loops and it still be like you, you can make something out of the loop but when you suddenly are going down to 4k mm-hmm. loops it's basically just like back and forth three times you know like it's uh it's not much it's not much you can play around with in the in the city you're racing uh, so i think they should be getting more away from having to make the loop shorter but actually making uh, maybe longer loops in order to take advantage of like if there's a big hill nearby or like making a proper course.
0: Yeah. Do you think the same for the run? Like do you think that that the same way a hill, like just something as simple as a a steep hill matters on the bike, do you think that that needs to be a part of the run as well?
1: Yeah, I think like you should make different courses so it's not like just the same – uh, race dynamic happening, uh, in every continent you're racing, but actually, it's like something different, unique with, with the place that, is, that they can actually like play with in the race.
0: And are you going to do any Super League racing anytime soon as well, or is Super League just something that like you don't even really think about?
1: No, it was cool doing it last year, like I was doing most of the races last season, so it's a really cool concept uh, but I will not use it for corner preparation
0: yeah yep. and you're not going to do any super league racing before the Olympics either no awesome mate well good chat like I said thanks for coming on um, I'll, I'll ask you to come on a few times this year in the lead up to the Olympics to just keep tabs on uh, on whether you're going to beat Hayden or not give him some inside info Um, and uh, yeah I look forward to to following it along Uh, so yeah make sure you come on and keep us in the loop we're all interested Uh, and uh, even though I've said that about short course racing I am really excited about Paris and and can't wait to follow the race in Paris and look you're a big reason for that seeing whether you can go and win that second Olympics and defend your title against Hayden Wilde and and Alex Yee the Frenchies and Vasco and and, and Matty Hauser that's that's a battle that that I'm really excited about so can't wait to follow it along and, and thanks for coming on